0: Takeout is cool, but delivery gets pricey. So, like a phoenix from the ashes, indoor dining is back at Forge Eatery. I use the analogy because the food is fire. It's a new approach to farm the table. No overalls, just dope food. Try my favorites, like the mushroom stew with pine nuts and ricotta, the cornmeal fried happy oysters, and the seared duck breast. Also, ask about the chocolate chip cookie tins. Mini chocolate chip cookies with a dusting of sea salt simply delicious. Head on over to ForgedEatery.com to check out the current menu options and make a reservation today. Forged is located at 3520 Chestnut Avenue in Hamden. Welcome to Getting to the Truth in this Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and my next guest is an acclaimed musician, educator, and and podcaster. I'm I'm learning as a podcaster. Residing in Baltimore, we have Wendell Patrick. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So I um, always do like the 30,000 foot view and I do it purposely. I give a really high level overview of what the guest does and what their work's about, but I give them the opportunity to really express what their work is about. So if you will, could you talk about what your work and your background is?
1: Sure. Well, uh, I do a number of different things for quote unquote work. Um, Doesn't always feel like work, but sometimes it does. But I am a musician and uh, a professor of music as well, um, music producer, pianist, uh, do stuff with turntables, beatboxing, vocals. Basically, I'm a, I'm a, a sound uh, connoisseur and advocate. I, I was say. waiting
0: for something like that to be said. I was waiting for it. I
1: like, oh, I didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love sound, but uh, I'm also a photographer. I I love uh photography, images. Um so yeah, I'm a a, a man of many um uh, many, what's the word? I don't want to say talents. Interest Uh, something other than interest too. Hmm. Uh, pursuits. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. go uh, many, many pursuits.
0: Yeah. Like, uh, you know, one of the things I try to do is I try to do some research and I was like, all right, this is going to be extensive. And so some of my questions are going to reflect that obviously. And definitely I-, I was stalking your, your Instagram for a little bit. I was like, this is a very busy dude. <laughs> I was like, you're doing everything. And I'm just sitting there. I was like, all right, I'm not in my head a lot. I was like, all right, so this is at least step one. <laughs> So, yeah. with your varied interests and your varied pursuits, let's call it that use your term uh, speak on like how the is, 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 how the creative process kind of differs. Uh, or how it's maybe similar because you're, you're working with music and sound is important to you and the visuals that you're working with are also important in what ways are there like overlap between how you, pre- how you prep and how you get into that space to create. And obviously what are the differences there?
1: Well, so I would say that g- generally speaking, I'm a, I'm a fairly curious person in in the sense that um, I think a lot of my artistic development has happened because I'll run into something that I want to try and see if I can do it or see if I can get it to work or see how it's going to sound. Photography and videography for me came, uh, well initially I I, I should say I I started taking photographs the first time I I went on tour, musical tour to Europe. And I'd always been interested in photography but could never justify the expense of a nice camera. Until I went on tour, and I thought, okay, well, let me buy the the least. So I did my research. I got I got a camera that had the um, least amount of like bells and whistles, but mm-hmm. also took good pictures. And um, that was really where I sort of got into photography. But even even then, you know, even just like saying it now, it was clearly linked to what I was doing musically, in the sense that I was performing musically, yeah. and. Um, But, you know, I became a little bit obsessed with it and learned more and more and and started to figure out how I could use it to support what I'm doing musically. Um, And uh, then, you know, moved into video yeah. And uh, so you said you were stalking my Instagram. So uh, basically, everything that you see and hear is you know made by me. So I shoot all of the the video content, edit all the video content, and um, it's it's a lot of fun. So th- there's definitely overlap, yeah. and uh, I approach it in a similar fashion. In the sense that I'm like, hmm, I wonder if there's this thing that I can do or you know get this to look a certain way. So it's really all about that.
0: Is that I, I finally like, when I when I talk to um, people who kind of have that that visionary view is like, hey, I may be a person that I'm in this particular discipline. Like I've talked to people who are, let's say musicians who are rappers and so on. And they're like, no, I need to definitely be involved with the visuals, if not do the visuals, or I need to be in responsible for what this layout is gonna be. And just these different things to have what feels like is congruent with that person's vision, as opposed to someone else came in and kind of helped and sprinkled, or maybe even did it. Is, so is that something that you find that it's, is it, does it feel more satisfying to be involved in various facets of that, that presentation, whether it be musically and visually, or is it like, cause you said it's, you said it's kind of funny, you said it's interesting, but is, is it just a pursuit? Like, how, how do you view that?
1: Well, it's more, you know, for one, you don't have to wait on anybody because you're doing all of it yourself, you know? Sure. Um, so if I get an idea at 9:30 p.m and start working on it at 10 pm you know I can work all night in my own studio recording something making something I don't have to call anyone I don't have to wait on anyone you know it's either going to look the way I want it to look or it's not going to work because I, I'm you know just not able to do it just yet but uh, really I think a lot of it Initially stemmed from just not wanting to have to wait on other people. I mean, you know, years ago on my for my first album, I wanted record scratches on this one track, and so I got in touch with a friend of mine in, in New York who's a, a DJ and asked if he would put some cuts on it. Yeah. You know, I didn't have turntables; I wasn't scratching at the time. And he said he'd love to, but you know, I, I just had to wait because he was busy. And uh, so, you know, let me just, let me get a little, let me get some turntables and yeah. learn this. And, um, you know, and so once you, once you learn how to do something, oftentimes, well, at least for me, like I, I don't want to just be able to do it functionally. It's it's a bit of a mental experiment to be able to get pretty, pretty good at it, you know? Um, I have this idea that I think I think most people, you yeah. know, barring, um, you know, physical or mental issues, can can be good at almost anything if you spend the time, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, being great or exceptional, that that is a little different. Although, I think often it's it's the same process, but you just have to do it for longer and be. Um, a little bit more d- discerning and disciplined, but to become, I mean, you have to be disciplined to become good at something, but I do think if you spend time and you, you pay attention to what you're doing wrong and sort of constantly try to either fix it or improve on it, you will get good at just about anything. You know, That's been my experience for most of the things that I've tried and put time and effort into.
0: I think that's one to grow in their um, discipline and sp- put, invest the time. And it is an investment or what have you. But if the, the goal is to pursue whatever it is you're pursuing to get better at it, to get good, to get great and potentially be a, a master in that space or what have you, it's you don't just do it. You, it's not just, oh, yeah, suddenly I'm good. And that's the thing that kind of faults me. And I think other people like obviously other people as well, where you just think, oh, instant gratification. I'm going to be great at this. That it's like, no, you're probably going to suck for a while and then you might become better.
1: Well, and even, even, you know, even when you become really good, like, or great, uh, sucking at something is it, is it, is a regular part of that process. Right. And, but you just get so used to it. You don't think of it that way. So basically if I'm learning how to play a new piece on the piano, it doesn't matter if I'm a, great pianist if I've never seen it before you you were bad at it right now because yeah. you played for a long time the amount of time that you were bad at it doesn't last for very long yeah because right? you're not actually bad you just you just can't play it yet <laughs> right yeah. and so you have to go through the steps to be able to you know get the muscle memory in that uh, the chordal, melodic memory to be able to play it well, but that's just a part of the process so you don't ever think about it as like, oh, I'm not good at this yeah. um, and, you know, thankfully for me, I started playing at, at a very young age I was um, three years old when I first started playing and um, wow! <laughs> so, you know, so, so, so you get frustrated a lot as, yeah. as a kid but you, you learn that that's a part of the process and you work through it and so um, you know, that just yeah that's just a a, a a a part of it all but yes being being bad and at something constantly is is a is what a lot of people don't realize is a part of being you know being really good at at, at things um, and the other thing is you know i never i never set out to become a a producer um, or a photographer or yeah. a professor honestly um, I started producing. I, I didn't even call it that, but I, I just wanted to do something, uh, enjoyable when I wasn't practicing the piano. So I just bought a couple of little pieces of gear and would make my little beats. And, yeah. um, and it was just the same thing. Like I just run into problems and solve them, run into problems and solve them. And then over time, pretty quickly, I, I got, I got pretty good at it, but I wasn't showing any of my music to anyone. Cause that wasn't the intention. I had no intention of doing this professionally until somebody, until I did show it to someone and they were like, what are you doing with this? This stuff sounds great. And I was like, nothing. <laughs> what, what should I do? You know? And they were like, Oh, you, you got to send this places. And, but that wasn't, that wasn't the intention. I was never like, I'm going to be a, a music producer. I'm going to be a beat maker. You know, none of that. It's just, repetition over time mm-hmm. uh, yields improvement and with enough improvement and if it's something you you like and love doing um, and you're fortunate to be able to find ways to to, to do it uh, you know
0: then that's that that's how that happened for me you're, you're dropping jewels over there I appreciate that <laughs> yeah. uh, so so as far as like um, um, playing the piano and, and and growing in that space and working in, in hip hop and beat making they're regarded in some circles as like there's overlap you, you see people like uh they're able to make beats using keys and so on i suppose but like generally like pianos like consider like in more of the classical space so how is it like doing things that are comp- looked at it as being vastly different. How is it doing that? And where, what was more of the interest? Because like, you started off playing the piano at a very young age, what have you, which is still blowing my mind a little bit, by the way. <laughs> and then I see you just getting very loose on the pads. I was like, all right, this this guy here. So speak on that a bit. Well, I've loved hip hop since I was six. Um, yeah.
1: And, you know, I was, I was six when I first heard... Uh, Rapper's delight actually when i was I was living in Venezuela at the time, and it was just like this craze, and people would rap it in Spanish, they called it La Cotorra down there um, but you know and it wasn't until a, a few years later, I was probably like maybe eleven or twelve when like hip hop started to sort of permeate a little bit more with like you know jam on it by nucleus and then uh, you know Grandmaster flash and um, you know, Furious Five and and then, you know, Run DMC and, and I, like, I, I really, like I liked all of that, you know, Dougie Fresh, but it was really when like, I want to say when Rock Kim first came out that I started to really listen. Um, seriously, Rock Kim and BDP with Keras one yeah. and um, it wasn't just sort of like fun music anymore. Like I was getting, what i felt was eye-opening knowledge you know yeah. and um and i was amazed because you know they weren't they weren't that old much older than i was yeah. um but so i've always you know listened to love uh and participated in, in you know however i could uh hip-hop but i didn't have any money for any gear like i had a drum machine in college which uh like i you know i massed like i wore that thing out and mastered it and like I remember my roommate was always, he was like, are you going to sleep? Like, <laughs> um, but that was the only thing I could afford. And I ended up having to sell that at one point. It was an Elisa's sr 16 drum machine. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I was, you know, I, I always loved it, but it wasn't until I started really like making beats that, um, I was participating in that way, mm-hmm. but You know all of these um, sort of boxes, and you know, saying it's like it seems like they're opposites. A lot of that is um, is not real, you know. Uh, Now, in in terms of of the 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 culture and the origins, right? Like that stuff is is um, that is very specific and important. But at the end of the day, all music, for the most part is manipulation of rhythm, time, and uh, frequency or pitch. And, um, you know, so along with that, because I've been so invested in the music and the culture, um, and that, you know, is not foreign to me, it allows me to use all of my musical training and to then create within different genres. Cause I, you know, I do hip hop, jazz, you know, classical, I, I write you know, choral pieces, but um, really it's more about familiarizing yourself with how rhythm, you know, melody, harmony, um, uh, frequency are manipulated mm-hmm. in a particular genre as opposed to another one. Okay. That's really the, the the difference, and once you can wrap your mind around that and, and master that, uh, what I discovered is there's really no limit to what you can do, and the way that you can, you know, sort of merge things stylistically or completely blow one thing up and have it appear as something else. Um, so yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a great way of explaining it um, because like obviously, but uh, it's, it's also this thing where you'll listen to someone that does like an instrumental or they, they have a certain style that are doing something and you'll hear something that just feels like so next level. And it's like, how did they do that? They, I didn't think that you could use that instrument for that. And it's like, oh no, their discipline is in this other area. And then they turned to using the terminology presented, the frequency, the pitch, all of that different stuff. And it's like, it's flipped it. And now we're, we're now we're trying to catch up. You know? <laughs> yeah. So Let's talk about records a little bit. Okay. What was the uh, first record you owned and how did you obtain it?
1: Uh, first record I owned. All right. So in my house, there were a lot of records and a lot of reel-to-reel tapes. Okay. My dad is from Trinidad. My mother's Jamaican. And so there was a lot of calypso, reggae, but also, um, you know, like a lot of James Brown, Donna Summers, uh, you know, I was born in 73. So there's a lot of, a lot of disco that was played. So there were always, there was always, there were always records and music in the house. Um, and I could listen to whatever I wanted with supervision. So up until a certain age, like my, I had to tell my dad and he would get what I wanted to listen to and he would put it on and play it. Um, the first record that I remember sort of being mine was, uh, was actually the Star Wars soundtrack. Oh, wow. Which was like a three disc or four disc set. But, but, my, but I didn't buy it, my dad bought it for me. But I remember I would sit, sit in the study and play the Star Wars soundtrack. Um, now I play other things too, but that was the first thing that was, that was mine, you know? Yeah. Now the first record that I bought with my own money, a 45. Uh-huh. And I want to say it was Mr. Roboto. You're, you're, you're taking some swings here. I mean, this is interesting. I want to say it was Mr. Roboto. Yeah.
0: Some sticks, right? <laughs> that was
1: definitely something that I, that I, I got early on with my, my own money. I was like, 9 or 10. I don't know why it why was that, but it was probably the Domo Arigato Mr. Roboto part. Like, I, I remember thinking that was kind of cool. But shortly <laughs> after that, I also remember buying um, Art of Noise. Okay. Uh, Beatbox was on the A side. Yeah. And... Um, What's that slow song sound of love making? Yep. Uh, yeah. it's not sound of love making. Uh, uh, it's, moments uh, of love moments. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was on the B side and I remember I never used to listen to that. I didn't like it at all Yeah. for like the first month. And then I was <laughs> starting to listen. I was like, this is pretty good. Yeah. Right. yes. I remember buying that and, uh, jam on it was one of one of the first records that i bought also my yeah. nucleus um yeah
0: so so nucleus I'll, nucleus. I'll i'll do this thing where i go i i get trapped in decades on occasion and i would just do like a search because like uh i was born in 85 so but my partner was born in 73 so we have like those conversations like you never heard this it's like I, I don't tell you so i get introduced to a lot of different music and i already have like a pretty broad palette but she'll throw on stuff that she would listen to. She's like, yeah, you know, when just the Pesh Mode album came out, I was like, I was not born or or something like that. But then I'll just dig it. I'm like, yo, I, I see this. I, I see this being captured by maybe a different artist in a different way or they're aiming to capture that. So yeah. I always try to reach out to people when they have music as part of that background. It's like, what was that first record? What did you get initially just to get a temperature on where they're at and what they were getting?
1: Yeah. I mean, but, I, but there was a lot of music that was being played, you know, before I bought anything. But I think that was probably where my my taste and my parents' taste yeah. probably started to deviate a little bit because my my dad would never have bought a Styx record, you know, or or a nucleus record. You know, right. he wasn't really interested in, that, in in that stuff. So if I wanted to hear that, I had to go get it or listen to the radio, you know.
0: We, we had the dynamic where my dad would only listen to like super old rock and like jazz. And my mom would listen to like uh, what's popping right now, like a little bit of a resurgence, Baltimore club music. So I was like in between the two and, you know, I was one of those, one of those kids that when my dad would put on, um, what is it like Morgan state radio and they have like jazz and all of that stuff playing. I'm like, can we get back to the rap, please? Thanks. <laughs> and now being in my thirties, I I only own like four records. The three of them are like jazz records or what have you. And I know it's super disappointing to hear like you own three records, like three vinyls, everything is Spotify. But I have like two Charles Mangus records that that's that's my guy. I'm trying to model my life around his in some ways. And uh, I have the soundtrack from Rocky four. So why four? that's my favorite movie of that series came out the same year I was born. And he he proved to us that you can punch your way against the Russians and be you can be communism just by punching. We've learned that. Mm hmm. Yeah. 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 There's no easy well, way I will out, no say I,
1: I have I have uh, a few soundtracks. I mean, you know, I just told you about the Star Wars one, which, yeah. which I got when I was I must have been five, sure. five or so. Um, but I th- I have purchased soundtracks before on the strength of a movie, yeah. and like I've I've liked the soundtrack or loved the soundtrack, but I probably would never have bought the soundtrack if I hadn't seen the movie like like for example the soundtrack to *Old oh Brother Where Art Thou yeah. that's a phenomenal soundtrack love most of the music but it, but it's because of the experience with the movie you know? yeah. or Billy Elliot is another one
0: see we what is it like we I do a, a review podcast or what have you and a movie review podcast and we recently recorded a uh, New Jack City and it was a lot of songs in that soundtrack. I didn't know. And I remember it was one of those rare instances. Yeah. I remember I saw that in theaters and, you know, being like six and it was probably wild inappropriate for me to watch this in theaters. But I was like, what is this guy song that I've never heard of? And I was like, they performed this in the movie. I watched this movie. And yeah. now it's just in my loop now on uh, Spotify. It was like, yeah, new jacket. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Earnhall. Do your thing. Um, <laughs> But the, the other thing that kind of has that vibe for me going to, I, I like, I see it, like, I see the scene more than like, Oh, if I just heard just kind of what you were getting at, if I just heard this, what I've really sought out anymore, what i look for the entire soundtrack. But then I go back to like, what scene was this? Oh, I remember that scene. It was fire. And it would be the, 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 um, the theme for RoboCop, like, it's just, it's just horns in it the entire time. And I was like, all right, this is cool. And it reminds me of watching that movie over and over again. It's one of my my favorite movies. Grew up watching it. And that's the thing that pops out. So if I'm like, all right, I need to think. Let me just put something on with no lyrics. And that's usually in my list of thinking music. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I can see that. So, and I realized I've spelled podcaster wrong, which is hilarious. Uh, so you kind of touched on it earlier with your um when you were in college with your your roommate or what have you and i had to ask the same question when do you sleep musician professor uh, photographer podcaster when do you sleep i'm just looking at these hours i'm like my man is still going at it yeah um well how do you manage your time is probably a better question
1: no the first question is
0: a good question
1: <laughs> okay um i don't really sleep that much to be honest i mean i I'm trying to be better about it just because it does affect your health. Um, I mean, I get a fair amount of sleep, I'd say, and I'm trying to be better about, like... (sighs) I mean, my studio is in my home, so it's very easy for me to just work all night. And then sometimes I have to because I have a deadline, um, you know, and I've had to teach all day. Um, Also, I am a professor, which means... That I do get summers off from teaching, uh, and I also get you know a, a winter break. So my schedule shifts, <laughs> I guess after that five month period. But it's it is tricky. You know, a uh, couple years ago I was in Chicago half the week, and then in Baltimore half the week. So yep. like three and splitting three and four days, and I was teaching uh, at Peabody and Johns Hopkins, and then I have to fly out and, you know, land in Chicago and take the train or, or, and like hustle to class to teach there. Yeah. Uh, that was really exhausting. That's actually when, when I started drinking coffee, never drank coffee until I was in my mid forties basically.
0: Yeah.
1: And, um, but you know, I, it, it, it helps to be doing something that I love doing. Mm -hmm. Um, it makes it easier to keep uh, long hours. And also there's, um, it's interesting what it does to your a- a- adrenaline, you know, like when you get, get really into something and you just, you know, like sometimes I'll be exhausted, but I don't feel tired and I'll finish something and I'll like it so much. I'll just listen to it on loop for an hour after I'm done instead of getting into bed, you know, yeah. but sometimes I'll get into bed and just take an easy day and sleep until, like I'll get in the bed at you know six a.m. when I'm done. I just sleep until noon and go for a walk. Or sleep until ten, and go for a walk, and yeah. take a nap a little later. You know, it, it depends.
0: Do I look sleepy? No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where I I have trouble sleeping, uh, and I've I found when. I got like over the last year and change what have you just doing the fitness thing um, because you don't wanna put on the quarantine, whatever. And uh, especially with having that rigidity there and just having that structure, it's like, all right, I'm almost pre-programmed to get like six, seven hours sleep. But i'm getting up at like 5 or four thirty sometimes to get, get my stuff in and to yeah. do the day of working as a data analyst and then maybe doing three or four podcasts afterwards or what have you and i definitely echo that sentiment where it's just like i'm not tired this is this is great and or even having to do the research for a podcast sometimes that can be a little a little bit much it's like i when it's a little too much, I'm like, wow, I love this movie. I don't feel like watching it right now because I'm reviewing it and come up with the oral history um, for that other podcast that I do. And sometimes it's just it's just a bit much. And it's like it's really important to balance it out. And to your, your point about it being a health thing, I always look at it as in, in addition to the health component as how optimal am I? It's like, if Mm -hmm. I'm going to be tired, I'm going to be dragging. I'm not going to be as quick with either the questions or with the wit or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm it's going to be a disservice to the guests too. I feel like, yo, I'm exhausted. I wasn't listening. All right. So if my goal is to be on and to provide, you know, good content and, you know, be a professional as it were, then getting rest is, is a thing. Get that napping, get that 15 minutes. So get a disco napping or whatever, and make it happen. (laughs) Right. So now we get to the weirder part and I have a few questions left. Now we get to the, well, one of the, my weirder questions. Okay. And um, it used to be, what's your favorite curse word, but I've removed that one from the list. It'll come oh. back eventually. Uh, you know, I'm half Jamaican, so that would have been easy, but yeah, let's, let's. We, 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 <laughs> we, we, we. <laughs> okay. That's, that's great. <laughs> that's right. I, we, we may have to talk off mic about a few Jamaican things, but um, so professionally, what's your most embarrassing moment? most embarrassing professional moment. Yeah. I'm embarrassed weekly, so oh. I, I'd, rather, <laughs> I'd rather share in somebody else's like, oh, I'm mortified in what I did.
1: Honestly, I honestly haven't had a, a lot because I'm, I, I'm, I tend to be pretty prepared. Yeah. Um,
0: I was waiting for you to say never lost. No losses at all.
1: <laughs> no, there's definitely I'm sure there's at least one or two. Uh, um, but I honestly can't think of
0: one right now. That's all. it's all good, it's all good then let let's 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 flip it then okay, um what would you say one of your proudest moments are then like where we're, we'll do the, the the full switch like you know this was embarrassment. this may have been my my trough right here. now let's go to that peak what, what was the peak yeah. so there' been a there' been a lot of peaks, but when I
1: say that, I don't mean it as in like I've done a lot of amazing stuff. I don't mean it that way. what I mean is you know being being an independent. Musician or artist or creator is um, can be pretty lonely, you know. Um, in some ways, like maybe you don't. I don't feel it that way per se, but I spend a lot of time alone creating, you know. Sure. Um, and you can't really sometimes explain what you're working on or or or, or tell people. Or sometimes you don't want to because they'll say like, they'll be like, oh, that's great. Have you considered doing it? And it's like, you know, you know exactly what you want to do. Yeah. And you don't really want to have that conversation, but also just because in general, a lot people don't really understand and uh, what, you're, what you're trying to do. And so I think probably one of my prouder uh, accomplishments was putting out three albums on the same day um, and deciding Underachiever and and announcing, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Well, it's funny because it was, it was actually supposed to be four, and uh, and I (laughs) and I I wasn't happy with the fourth one, Ah. and I was sort of kicking myself at not doing the four. And I and I remember my friend of mine was like, "You know, you did three though, so (laughs) you know." And I was like, "Yeah, that's true." And so once I put in perspective. but you know the, it wasn't that wasn't the plan initially it was it was I, I wanted to put out an album, and while I was working on ideas for that album, I had two other performance projects uh, that um, ended up turning into ideas for other albums sure. and uh, so then it became sort of this thing of like, hmm, I wonder if I can keep these three things mentally compartmentalized separately and bring them all to f- completion and, and fruition at the same time. So that became the exercise. Yeah. And, uh, and I did, and I remember you know, finishing, so they all came out on New Year's, uh, New Year's Day of a particular year, and I finished the first one on like December 29th, and then the other two on the 31st. And I remember going for a walk to listen, to, going for a walk and listening to them back to back to back and uh, coming back into the building as the last one was finishing and walking into the elevator, and I started crying because I was just so happy that it had, you know, that I had done it, you know, and that I liked how they sounded. Um, so, so, I, so when I say that there's lots of peaks, I, I mean, lots of moments like those and sometimes uh they're very public um and sometimes they happen when I'm by myself you know because um, that really I feel like for me is what uh what it's all about um and you know like I, I said it's lonely you know you there's a lot of lows that you experience by yourself as well and I don't I don't mean you know like embarrassing performance moments or professional moments I mean just where again you know you're you're doubting what you're what you're going to do or it seems like it's harder than what you think and or what you thought and again like you can't really talk to people about it you know Um, you
0: just have to try to work through it you know no, that, that's, that's, that's great. And thank you for sharing that actually. Um, Cause I, I think we look for those top shelf things of, Hey, I got this accolade. I got this. I got that. And really, it has to come from from you. Like this, how did how did this feel for you? Why was this important to you? And you know, one putting out that and that wasn't even like putting out three distinct projects in the same day, and that really wasn't even your goal. Like, damn it, I just quite missed it. And but still, just feeling like, but I did it though. But I did this, and I love these. I mean, this is this is my work, and I feel great about it. I, I feel that way when I, whenever I just I'm able to do a live show, and then you have people who actually are looking forward to seeing you. Like, oh crap, you know this is this is great, and uh, just the fact that you, I'm still doing it. Like, I, I look at the math, I'm probably done like well over 700 podcasts in the 12 years I've been doing it, mm-hmm. and it's just like it's I. Well, thank you. It, it still excites me and it still interests me. And that's right there. The thing that this is what I want to do. And it doesn't feel like work. It feels like just like a lot of fun. And it's always like a, a challenge. I can learn something new and kind of drive that like being able to identify a problem, like definitely resonated with me with <laughs> what you were saying earlier, because that's mm-hmm. what I do day to day, but that's also my personality. Creatively what share three things that you need to help you set that mood. Like, I I need scotch uh, and uh, probably probably something unhealthy, like a bag of potato chips or something and other items. What would you need to get in that mood to get in a mind state that says, all right, you know what? I feel like I, I feel like I got some juices flowing. Let me, let me put something together.
1: I honestly do not need anything. And and it happens all the time. Like, I'll just be in the grocery store and there's this music just kind of writing itself in my head. Like it's it's more a matter of like just when I sit down and it sort of pours out. Yeah. Um, maybe, you know, there's sometimes really where I have like a deadline or something like that where um, it's helpful to, to go for a walk yeah, um, or to, you know, maybe go to the gym, but um, That's not really to like get things going. It's just to, um, it's like it it sort of gets pent up during that period. And then when I sit down, it just, you know, sort of floods out. But as far as, um, yeah, I I really don't need anything. I dig it. It's just just always on, you know. That doesn't mean it's always great,
0: (laughs) but it's always on. It's that thing about like you hear for like people that teach like writing classes, my partner's in a writing class and it's every Thursday. And it's one of those things, like you got to have something every class. And like, she's, she's a writer, but she's like, I need to really get back into the practice and doing it regularly and so on and being able to put out stuff. And it's like some of the stuff you're not going to like that you're going to do and some of the stuff you're going to really like and so on. But it's a matter of continually doing it, actively doing it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and kind of if that's the thing that you do, and it's just like, yeah, I always have something. And literally on the weekends, like all of these bits and stuff that I'm running for my other show, it's like, I need to write this down. Where's my notepad? I need to write this down because it's never turning off. Mm-hmm. And it's literally like during a week being being alone, doing the, the solo thing uh, for the most of the week, especially when I'm doing this stuff. Uh, it, you you definitely are alone. I was like, all right, I'm going to save all of my good stuff for the weekend. And then my, my partner could hear everything. She can hear <laughs> everything. And I think she silently hates me for it, but also <laughs> it doesn't stop. So it's like, here's the soundboard. Enjoy. You know, here's everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's the last two questions I got. Okay. Um, what draws you to a particular genre? Hmm. In what sense? Like, let's say, is it is it the sound is it the the mood is it the part of the year what have you i know from from a listening standpoint whenever it's the fall i'm listening to the saddest darkest most <laughs> desperate depressing music possible and i was like oh give me all of it this is great uh, so when you, from a from a production standpoint is there a time like, all right, the sun's out guys, let's make this kind of kind of more of a Caribbean instrumental here or more something that's more up-tempo and upbeat. What draws you to a particular genre in that sense?
1: Yeah, well, it depends. If I'm writing a, and recording a score for a film or radio. Podcast. or <laughs> Yeah, a podcast. Um, then it's the content that I'm scoring. You know, sure. what, that is what dictates. If it's something that I'm making, just you know for me it really just depends on what kind of mood i'm in um you know i i like switching things up and you know to be honest most of what i make probably or a lot of what i make i should say wouldn't really fit necessarily into one genre um i just make what i like and uh you know when, when i started putting music out initially back in 2007, and people started writing about it and writing about me, they would say, you know, he's an instrumental hip-hop producer. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Um, But I hadn't really given myself any sort of uh, label or, you know, um, box. Uh, And so sometimes I'll just make some stuff that I just think sounds great or sounds good, but it'll be really quirky and, Maybe it'll straddle genres in yeah. some way, but um, but then other times I'll make something that is very specifically, you know, a, a particular style. Yeah. Uh, but it, it,
0: it varies. But I definitely like to switch up. I dig that. I dig that. I think that's what draws me to people who it's it's the way I'm going to describe it is probably not right. But multi instrumentalist—that's the way I kind of like look at it. It's like, oh, you're here and here, but also here, but you got a little bit of this there too, <laughs> and that's what what pulls me in because it it has a unique quality to it, and and that's what I've heard with some of the stuff that I've listened to from you because, like I said, Instagram stalking, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's one of the things that just pulls me in, and I realize like there's like a list of multi instrumentalists multi instrumentalists that I like, Tori Iwaf. Uh, um, What's the dude's name? Uh, the dude from Tame Impala, what have you? It's just like, oh yeah, I like what you're doing here, and it you can hear pop up in like hip hop samples, and it's like, oh, this is considered psychedelic, or this is like indie, exactly. it's like yeah, or this is just purely just electronic music, and that's a whole umbrella term in itself, mm-hmm. and it, it's just like I can just have this on a playlist and just let it go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is the last one I have. Um, okay. This used to be the crab cake question. And that was a whole, it was a, it, like people were like, I don't eat crab. I was like, yeah, you do. I saw you eating crab. Uh, <laughs> Cause they don't want to be, you know, political. Cause you know, crabs are political. Uh, w- what does it mean for you to be an artist with ties to Baltimore?
1: Well, uh, I should, I can definitely say, first of all, that I love it here. And my Baltimore experience is, I don't know that it's, it's unique, but I didn't really move here. Like I didn't come here with any in, in, intention. Uh, I had finished music school in, in Chicago, was gonna be living in Chicago. And my mother had moved to Baltimore two years prior and I came to visit her because I hadn't been home in a while. Yeah. And you know, I, I just finished what I knew would be the end of my schooling. So I just wanted to come home for a little bit. And while I was here, my living arrangements fell through because one of the people I was supposed to live with, um, got a job somewhere else. So I was like, well, I'll just stay in Baltimore for a little while. And, um, you know, meaning I I didn't think I'd be here longer than three weeks to a month. And, um, that was 24 years ago. Wow. Um, and you know, I, I started working and had some concerts some recitals and um, just life just sort of took over. Um, and I remember when I put my first album out. So I, and at that point, I'd been here 10 years, but I was very uh, sort of isolated. I wasn't really a, a part of the music community here. Like, I was mostly at home practicing, just feverishly. And um, I'd say until about 2004 or five was when I first started to kind of come out a little bit um as Wendell Patrick yeah and um I remember when my first album came out it's at some point after the first album came out in 2007 maybe it was City Papers some somewhere in Baltimore they wrote something about me and they said Baltimore's own Wendell Patrick and I remember being like wow, that's so cool. Like, that's amazing. You know, and and I, what I've noticed over the years, which is one of the things that I love about the city is that if you do good work here or what people see as good work, they will claim you, Mm -hmm. um, which is not necessarily what other cities will will do, but they will, they will proudly claim you. And I felt very supported in the arts community, uh, not just the music community and, um, the, you know, the the hip hop scene I think is very cohesive. There's you know different groups and different factions, but they you know they mingle, intertwine, uh, yeah. collaborate, and you know, we bring a lot of them together with Baltimore Boom Bap Society, which is um <laughs> a, another thing I love to do with uh, DJ Double Eight, but um. I, I decided in 2012 that was a, that was the first time I really thought maybe I might move like maybe I'll go to California or New York but I made a, a concerted decision a conscious decision that I was going to stay here uh, that's actually when I moved into this place a studio um, with you know my it's my home with a recording studio in it yeah. and uh you know so over the years, I've, I've just become more and more entrenched and, you know, now teaching at Peabody and um, being the new host of Artworks on Maryland Public Television. I, I'm, I definitely plan on staying here and uh, I love it here. Yeah. And. Um, yeah, I plan on being here for a long, long time.
0: That's great to hear. Um... That's the end of my questions. So I like to give every guest an opportunity to shamelessly plug with your website, your social media, all of that stuff. Yeah,
1: well, my Instagram is where probably the most stuff is popping uh, that I put up. And my Instagram uh, IG handle is Wendell Patrick Official Music. The website where you can get music uh, or you know download albums if you want, but also just check out other stuff is WendellPatrick.com. Wendell with one L. If you have a, an <laughs> Apple device that will try to
0: autocorrect to
1: Don't two L's. do not let it.
0: It's one <laughs> yeah. out. Well, this has been great. I'm sorry. Did you have anything else? I'm sorry. Uh,
1: you can do, yeah, you can just check out, um, you look up Wendell Patrick on Spotify or any, any streaming service and listen to some good music. Absolutely. And check out the Out of the Blocks uh, podcast is what you can hear my music on there and some really amazing stories about Baltimore city and beyond.
0: That's fantastic. Um, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so thank you. Yeah, totally. Um, so for Wendell Patrick, I am Rob Lee, saying there's art in and around Baltimore. He's gonna look for it.